Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Hey, I want to set up today with just kind of giving you some background. Um, we got a lot of people that haven't been at Four Points for a long time. And if you have, uh, this will be sort of repetitive, but it won't take long. So just bear with me. The reason that we started our church is because God put a burning passion in a kid's heart that didn't have a clue what he was doing, but to God be the glory, he did. And he's starting to do some things that we're really excited about. And so our vision, if you don't know this, I think you probably had to try to work at it because we try to put this out, but our vision is to reach the least lost and lonely with the gospel. And we believe that every man, woman, and child is worthy of receiving that gospel truth of Jesus, the truth that sets us free. But, but this is the part that I'm not sure everybody knows, and it's the ultimate mission. It's the, it's the so what does it look like at the end? And y'all, I need you to hear my heart because this is the truth, and this is kind of heavy. It sits heavy on me is I'm not sure if I get to experience that end, but I'm ready to roll and see if we get to experience that end. But the ultimate mission of what we want to do is to see our community and then the surrounding communities, and by surrounding, I mean every stinking community on this planet, begin to experience heaven's culture, kingdom culture. And that only happens when God changes us, and then it starts permeating out through what he's done in us. So when they're reached, and I was a they, can I be honest with y'all, at one time I wasn't reached. And when each of us get reached as the least lost and lonely, we want to see life change happen to the point that the culture begins to shift in what God intended for us to be. So, so let me simplify it this. This is why God made you. Amen. It's why he made us. So I'm going to let y'all weigh in today in my life. When I'm praying and I'm thinking through stuff, I let a couple people in, but I need to be careful who I let in because it gets a little crazy and I start talking crazy and I start believing God big and not everybody wants to dream with you. And some people are dream killers. And so whoever's a dream killer doesn't get to be in the room with me when I'm dreaming. Come on, somebody. So when I started dreaming, I started praying. Y'all, this week was just crazy um, because I really felt like God was downloading some stuff in me. And the message came about by that because I was just asking this question, God, what does it look like for us to get there? What does it look like? Are we Moses where we get to get to the point of entry, but we never get to be there? Are we Walt Disney? This may sound crazy to you because he, I have no idea where he was with Jesus, but I know that that man had a vision and I know when he built Walt Disney land, he said, it's not big enough. And I know he bought a piece of property in Orlando, Florida that he said, this will be big enough. We can get all the mouses that you ever wanted in this mug because it's 30,000 acres, 47 square miles. How many of y'all knew that, that that crazy dude that flew an airplane over I-4 and said, I'll get everybody from every country to start coming here to, to worship a mouse was crazy, but he was awesome. But he died before the Magic Kingdom opened. Did y'all know that? He died before it was even open. But he had a vision that was bigger than himself and said, we can do this. It's crazy. 
Today, Disney owns everything. <laughs> but back in the day, they weren't everything, and people thought he was crazy. In order for us to accomplish the kingdom mission that God has put on every person, by the way, this is not a new idea. This is a lifetime idea. This is what God has called each and every Christ follower to do. This isn't like Mark Pangle came up with a good idea, but this is a Holy Spirit mandate on Mark Pangle's life. I'm speaking in third person. If that freaks y'all out, then that's all right. Weird. But for, there's something that happens in churches and in, in every single human being's life that is a follower of Jesus Christ that, that tries to fight against this kingdom culture coming to earth. There's something that happens. And so the message that I had is not the message that I'm giving. Today's message is what happens. Today's message, I believe, directly fights head on with what keeps us from bringing heaven's culture to earth. And so this is the instructions for every person in the room. If you're with me, I need you to talk me down because this one's heavy. When I say it's heavy, I think y'all are like, yeah, we'll see. I'm just letting y'all know this one's heavy today. But I think it affects every single one of you. I'm talking about the most mature Christian in the room and the person that is very far from God that wants nothing to do with it. I think every person is affected by this message. So I'm asking y'all to lean in, but I'm asking some of y'all to shout me down to help me out because I'm excited about it. So basically the title of the message could be, what's the problem? What's the problem? James chapter 1, let nobody say... When I get tempted, that I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. This verse is the one that I don't like because I like this verse. God doesn't tempt anybody. I'm, I'm still, I'm tracking. We good. The devil made me do it. <laughs> it's not what it says. But each person is tempted when he or she, let me not let y'all off the hook, ladies. I love y'all, but... It's all of us. When we are lured and enticed by our own desires. I don't like that one. Wait a second. I'm enticed because the dude that sits on my left shoulder is the bad one and the angel sits on my right. And when the dude in the red on my left shoulder tells me what to do and I do it, then that's bad. He only tells you what to do that you already want. Romans chapter 8. I'm, I'm going to bring this up a couple times. Romans chapter 8. Verse 6 says that my flesh, my earthly desires, my carnal nature is the enemy of God. I have enmity with God in my nature. Let me explain something to y'all. Satan is not God's enemy. When Lucifer went up against God, it took a millisecond for him to go, Batoom, and he was out of heaven. He gone. Jesus said, quote, in Luke, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. Lightning does not take long to hit the earth. Satan is not the enemy of our God. God has no enemies except your flesh and my flesh. So why would that be the enemy? Why would my sinful desires be the enemy? Because God has a plan for this world. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came that not, not to condemn, but that they might have life in his name. But, but he did it through a people. And he sent his Holy Spirit to come through us and to be recognized through us. He sent God himself in Jesus to come to the earth that the world could be rid of our sin and flesh and have life in his name. And then he, then he left his Holy Spirit for us. And, and so we have the blueprint mapped out. We know what we're going to do, but my own desires are what I'm lured by. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. 
But there's a process that's taking place here, if y'all can read it. Because it's not automatically sin when I have bad desires, y'all. Is anybody here? If you feel bad that you have bad desires, you're going to feel bad a lot. Because <laughs> we all got some. But it's when I let those desires sit there and give birth and conceive that sin, when it's fully grown and developed inside my craziness that's called my brain, then it brings forth death. See, a lot of us look around and say, well, that internet's so bad. It's that bad internet. If I just got rid of the internets, I wouldn't have a problem. Before the internets, there were magazines and VHS tape. The internets didn't do it. And the devil didn't either. <clears throat> My own desires are at work against me. But this is, this is the tension. This is the challenge. It only raises every level that I walk toward God. So, so I, love, I love the song that we just sang, Going Higher, because it's, it's our thought life and our brains and our hearts, most importantly, that need to be in tune with the Lord Jesus. And when we go higher, that's the point of that song, that, that, that we're starting to say, I'm going his way. I'm not going this way anymore. But every level that you go up, the enemy's attack goes there with you because he's your enemy, not God's enemy. And he's attacking against you. And he's attacking you with your own desires. And it's craziness. It feels like a spiral and a cycle that I can't get out of sometimes because I'm like, why is this happening? I want to do God's calling on my life. So let me break it down. These are, these are just my four Ds of, of, of the cycle that we live under. The first one is desire. The first one is desire. I'm lured by my own desires. And then desire gives birth. So the first one is my emotions. My emotions. Because it always starts as an emotional thing, right? Affairs almost always start as an emotional attachment. Almost always. Alcoholism doesn't ever start with, I'm going to be an alcoholic and I'm going to lose my mind. It's an emotional attachment, meaning if I just had a little bit of feeling to help me with this, if I, if I could just numb it. And so it starts emotional and it's a lure, it's a trap, but, but, but it's something that I desire in my flesh. And then I'm enticed by it. And when I start letting it filter into my brain where I start reasoning, this is where reason comes in. And I say, it's not really that bad, it's just one. It's not really that God forgives. This is all good. I, I can get by with this one. This isn't that big of a deal. We'll just go this way. It's not, it's not too bad. My intellect is my deception. My intellect is my deception because when my desires has conceived and takes time, then it starts going into my brain. And then... It gets to my willpower, my determination. And I determine in my own heart, I'm going to go in this direction. What I like to say is the devil made me do it. But I've made the determination to do it. And when that has happened and the cycle continues, it's my destruction that's the end. But most of us don't choose death. We choose desire. Most of us don't, don't choose death. We choose deception. or We determine in our hearts and, and we never... Even think about destruction because that's what a lure does. The word lure actually translates the bait of a fish. Like a bait, like, like, a, like something, I just see the worm, I'm not seeing the hook, right? And so it's a cycle that's nuts, it's crazy because all of us in here can identify with the things in our lives that we hate about ourselves. But there's a reason that we struggle. Y'all, I need you to know this and I'm going to repeat this a few times, but... You can't just have a better willpower 
and end your empty. You can't just all of a sudden go, all right, today, Jesus, we're going to do this thing. And if we're going to do it big, we're going to do it big then. Like, that's not going to work. Half of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It kind of scares me. Famous Jameis. All right, so you can't just wake up and go, I'm going to have better willpower. Because this problem is not a willpower problem. It's a relationship problem. Because the enemy always tacks you at the point that he can get in between your relationship. And if you're married in this room, I'm definitely talking to you. Because you know how good it can be and like this. But bam, something can get in between you and your spouse. Is anybody here? Because I know y'all ain't by yourself on that one. (laughs) But that's the way it is with Jesus because you're the bride of Christ. And every time something happens to lure you in your flesh, it's to separate you in that love relationship so that fellowship is broken off. It is not about your willpower. Your willpower is part of the cycle that is an endless problem for us. But if your love relationship is sick, I can promise you we will continue cycles that we hate about our past, that we hate about our parents, that we hate about their parents, that we hate that we're, that we're identified as my last name or as my person. Look what we have. And we look and say, I don't want that anymore, so I won't do it. And it works for two weeks and three weeks and a month. And then we go back and we say, I kind of get what Solomon was saying as a dog returns to his vomit. That's the way that I live my life. It's crazy. Why would I want to be eating vomit right now? That's the weirdest thing. But I recognize that in me. So if I can recognize that in me, why don't I recognize the trouble? Before it happens, why can't I recognize the trouble? The reason is because I have a relationship issue. And the real big reason is because I'm empty. Because emptiness is an emotional feeling that lacks purpose. I look at my life and I see the emptiness of purpose. I did a Facebook Live video that a bunch of y'all didn't see. Some of y'all don't even have Facebook, but the reason that I did it was to respond to a couple things. There was a tragic loss in our community of a young man. I'm not going to get into details. I'm just going to tell you it's so sad when a 15-year-old young man passes away. Terrible. And I also hit on the fact that Lee and I watched the show on Netflix 13 Reasons, which I don't strongly recommend because it's pretty graphic. But to mamas of teenagers and daddies of teenagers, I do recommend it because it's really good for you to know what's going on and I don't think that we have a clue. In every state of life, your emotions are so different. Like, I don't know if you can remember back old people like me (laughs) to what it was like to be a teenager. But there are some crazy hormones that are going through you that you can't even, like, it's crazy. You sit at the lunch table, guys, and it's like you think thoughts that you never even understand are even in there. Are y'all with me? And then you get old and there's still stuff. It just slows down a little bit, including metabolism. Somebody say amen in this place. (laughs) But because we're emotional beings, there's this feeling of numbness or despair whenever we take an inventory of our lives and we look out and say, I stink. I'm the worst person in the world. Guess what? That is a lie. Because all of us, like sheep, go astray. Why? Because we have this cycle that we can go on that any time my love relationship with Jesus gets sick, I'm going here. It ain't like I'm the bad one. It's like I'm the one that is just like each one. Remember the point. Remember the point. God's called us to bring heaven's culture to earth. And when when I'm struggling in these cycles of redundancy that I continue on and continue on, I look and go, ah, this is nuts. 
And the end is always despair and destruction, which leaves me feeling empty, complete and total emptiness. There's people in the room that are struggling with all sorts of things under the sound of my voice. And, and what you feel after it's over, because the Bible says that your sin is pleasurable for a season, but at the end, when it's over, what you feel is this emptiness, this despair, this I hate what I just did. And it's because the enemy knows the cycle and he knows that you'll go back to that when you'll say it's the last thing that I'm going to do. And it's through, listen, this is big. I need y'all to get this. It's through our rejection, abandonment, loneliness, envy, bereavement, and all sorts of other things that we start feeling this lack of meaning in our lives. I had this conversation with, with several people this week. This was an unusual week where I spent over 20 hours dealing with crisis issues. And every single person, this is what I told, because I believe this with all my heart. That's never the problem. That's never the problem. What you're telling me is the problem ain't the problem. Again, the internet's ain't the problem. Take a computer out of your house, you still got a problem. Because it's a love relationship problem, and ultimately it's something that you have not been willing to identify in your past. I don't know if it's your eight-year-old self or if it's your 28-year-old self, but it's something that you've been unwilling to identify, or you might have identified it, but unwilling to uncover. So you've masqueraded. And 90% of you may be perfectly healthy, but that 10% is causing the rest of the body to rot. And it eventually comes out in the worst circumstances and times ever. And it's because we love to hide it that we feel so despaired. So, this is a lot, and if you're writing notes, I would love for y'all to write this down, and I'll try to give you a second. But this is, this is what I really believe. Our emptiness comes from the deep-rooted issues of life that are rooted in something that happened, something that happened, and overtakes our lives. It's always, 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 always a spiritual problem. It's always spiritual. It's always spiritual. It's always an attack from the enemy, from the spirit of darkness. Listen, the kingdom of darkness wants to advance just as much as the kingdom of light wants to advance. And so the enemy will always bring up what you've done. The enemy will always remind you of who you are if you're not in Christ. The enemy will always loudly express to you what you are and laugh at you all the way to the bank. And the reason that you feel the spirit of fear is because that's the only thing that the enemy can combat power, love, and a sound mind. And so he'll do everything that he can to make sure that you're reminded of how awful you are without Jesus. I need to talk to some Christians in here. And if you're lost, if you don't know Jesus, hang in with me because I got really good news at the end. And this whole thing is for you anyway. But I need to talk to some believers of Jesus in this room. So I need you to look this way and really open your hearts. It's a lie. It's a lie. Anytime he's speaking these things to you, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. It's a lie. He loves to lie to you because he's the father of lies and there's no truth in him. And it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. He took your sin so you could have life in Jesus' name. So you could be the righteousness of God. But he loves to lie to you and tell you that thing that happened to you is the end of you. That time that you were abused is the end of you. There's no hope for you. And all of this sets up the real purpose of today's message, which might blow some of y'all away because I'm halfway through it. But this is what God downloaded on me Wednesday morning. I got in my office. I was ready to punch my original message in the PowerPoint. And God said to me, as clearly as I'm sitting here, that ain't what you're preaching this week. I said, for reals? <laughs> and this is what he said you're preaching. 
when forgiveness isn't enough. My immediate reaction to this was, who you talking to? It is enough. I did good. Because you said something mean to me, and I said I forgive them. Look what I did, Jesus. You're welcome. Like, we feel good about it. Are y'all with me? Like, we need a prize because we forgave somebody. I need a juice box and a little Debbie cake because I hit a home run in the baseball game. Come on, somebody. When forgiveness isn't enough. Let me explain what I mean by this, and then I'm going to dive in, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get kind of uncomfortable for just a minute, and then it's going to get good. <laughs> forgiveness is not telling someone what they did was wrong. Forgiveness is saying, I, I refuse to hold that over your head because it actually holds me in contempt. But this is the biggest thing that I see with forgiveness, and this is what I think the Lord told me. You haven't forgiven all those people that you publicly said you forgave and privately you've prayed you forgave because every time they come to your mind, you hate their guts. I don't like this part, so if y'all do, y'all can just amen it because I don't know if I'm amening it yet because I'm struggling with it, y'all. Every time they come to your mind because of how egregious their acts were, you think to yourself, I hope they get what's coming to them. We grit our teeth and it makes sand coming out when we think about those people. But we've publicly told them, I forgive you. It's all good. God bless you. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm blessed and highly favored. Jesus' name. But we don't feel that. We feel hatred. We feel hatred. We feel hatred. Remember the original point was bringing heaven's culture to earth. It's, an, it's ironic that we haven't seen that happen when this is actually how we feel. Because hatred... Hating someone is like drinking poison and thinking that it hurts them. Hating people that we all do. Well, I don't hate them. I just don't really like them. You probably hate them. Probably hate them. Here's the part. I'm just going to jump in. Luke 6, one verse. There's a whole passage right here, and there's a parallel passage in Matthew 5. I have read this. I have talked to the Lord about this. I've not really had a discussion because he's not really into debates because he wins every single time. But I, I've just told him the truth. I'm struggling with this. Here's my response to people that hurt me, that wrong me, that talk junk about me, that ridicule me and blog about me, that have abused you, have abandoned you, that rejected you, that made you feel this big, that uncle that abused you, that person in your life that slapped you, that person that left you, you should just forgive them. Is that what it says? Somebody talk to me. Is that what it says? No. It says you should forgive them 70 times 7, which is it's, it's, it's crazy in Matthew 18 to understand all that because that's an infinitive number of times. It's not really 490 that he's trying to describe. It's over and over and over and over and over and over just like Jesus forgives us. But then he says this, and I need y'all to know something in this room. This is not for the faint of heart. Because Christianity is not for the faint of heart. This is for people that want to bring the kingdom's culture to earth. So I'm only talking to the people that want to walk with me and see this thing take place. This is going to get heavy up in this mug because I'm struggling with it. But I say to you, love your enemies. Golly, it's already starting fun. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those that curse you and pray for those that abuse you. This is what I think is the problem. So I'm just going to lay it out there. I think we love the idea 
of bringing heaven's culture to earth. Because it's sexy. It's sexy to say that I can buy 30,000 acres in a swamp that everybody laughs at and nobody wants. But we're in a swamp. And the Republicans and Democrats love to talk about drying up a swamp, but they are the swamp. I'm not talking junk about either side. Y'all heard what I said. They are the swamp. I'm not going to ever identify with y'all that I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a kingdom. That's what citizenship that I hold. That's what I want everybody to know about me. So if people want me to stand with this side or with this side, I'm telling you I stand in the middle and I listen to what he says because the truth is always right here. I don't identify with that or that. I don't, in, I don't in identify with police lives matter over black lives matter or black lives matter over police lives matter. I identify with both because I'm a kingdom man that's brought here to change the world. And as soon as I start identifying, the enemy goes, yes, he's passionate about something other than the kingdom. I love that. There will be times I will take stands, but the ultimate goal will be to stand in the middle and stand in the gap because that's what God needs us to do for his name's sake. And most of us love to be right or left or only the strong survivor watch me, but we don't want to do what God said. What was that? Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those that abuse you. This is the part of the conversation that, that I ask God, can we hit the brakes for about 10 seconds and just skip over this one? Can we skip over the fact that he said, give the tunic to the person that hates me? Take the clothes off my own back and clothe them? Love the person that has wronged me more than anybody else in the world? And I want y'all to hear this. I thought of ways all week long that I could give like a little asterisk beside this and say, well, it's not really talking about, and it is really talking about. I do not believe we should ever be run over or bulldozed. I believe that we have a voice and we have a right to have a voice. I will not stand down and let someone bully me, but I will not combat the bullying with bullying. I have to love them. I have to be willing to be misunderstood as a follower of Jesus. And listen, that means your ex-husband and your ex-wife. That means your cousin that hates you and stole all of your money from you. That means your boss that absolutely hammers you every single day and you can't really figure it out because it does them no good. That means the person that raped you 20 years ago. I don't understand all this. Because the only thing in my mind with people that wrong other people, like child abusers, can I be real with y'all right now? Child abusers, I immediate, my immediate reaction is I just want to kill them. I'm just telling you the truth of where my heart is. And I'm also telling you that if my heart doesn't change, we may bring a culture to this earth, but it won't be the kingdom's culture. And I'm not saying that they don't have a punishment that's coming to them because listen to me, there's always a consequence to sin. But the moment that I believe I'm the justice battler, I forget that the Bible says justice is mine, vengeance is mine, says the Lord of hosts. I'm not the one that brings it. I'm the one that brings the culture. And I miss the whole point. How many of y'all have ever heard of Joyce Meyer? Will you just show me your hand? Joyce Meyer. Almost everybody, right? I mean, she has four and a half million followers on Twitter. She is very well known. Some people hate her. Some people, I've heard people say, well, she just makes all that money, so that's why she seems so happy and and um, I love Joyce Meyer, so what I'm about to say is not meant to be mean, but she did get some bad plastic surgery, and she does kind of look like the Joker. So if we can just be on the same page, <laughs> just, being, just being real in here. And I've heard people talk junk because she sounds like a dude. 
All right, so I'm getting it all out there why people hate her. Makes too much money, sound like a do. A woman shouldn't speak. Let's, we can get it all out there. Now, let me tell you why I love her. How many of y'all knew she was raped by her own father over 250 times? Show me your hands if you knew that part of her. So if you had a, ne- keep your hands up. If you had a negative opinion of Joyce Meyer and you didn't know this, I was about to say shame on you, but no shame on you. Just, that's a shame. How's that? <laughs> keep your hands up if you knew that. How many of y'all knew that she bought her daddy who raped her 250 times a house? And paid for everything in his life until the day that he died. And at 84 years old, he got saved. Y'all all knew that. So your opinion, I bet, is different than the rest of the people's opinion that just look at her on TV and say, I don't like her. And that's how we judge people, by the way. I just want to throw that in as a teaching point. Most of the time, that's how we judge people. But can I tell y'all something? When I heard her whole story, thank y'all for participating with me. When I heard her whole story, I wept. I'm doing real good right now because every time that I talk about it, I choke up. Because let me tell y'all something. I've been wronged by people, and it's consumed my whole life. But I can promise you by my own flesh and blood, I've never been sexually abused. So many times, she counted every single time. I have no idea her net worth. It's very good. She's written tons of books. Her influence is massive. How many of y'all would trade places with her and hope to have that, to have your daddy rape you 250 plus times? I'm just going to wait and let one person say I would trade because I, I, come on, none of us would. We love to judge people based on the cover, but we never want to look inside and see what the real deal is. I can't imagine being Joyce Meyer and struggling as a 36-year-old in the time that I'm in, looking back at my life at 18, 17, 16, 15 of what that must have been like going home and dreading to have to go home, feeling like that you can't tell anybody. And some of you feel that way today. And the thing that combated her situation from a, even I forgive you, to an anointing that flows, that continues to flow today, is she decided, and this is, y'all, I'm just telling you, the kingdom's culture is psycho. It's insane. Because the Bible says that the world sees it as craziness, but not someone that's filled with the Spirit of God. She said, instead of just saying that I forgive you, I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to do good to the man that did this. I'm going to bless them. Even though they don't deserve it from a human perspective, I'm still going to honor them as my parents. And I'm going to pray for them. And the fruit of that is not a great ministry, y'all. The fruit of that is that her daddy, who I would have hated to his death, got saved. Y'all. How could you ever want that for someone that did that to you because you get what kingdom's culture is about? I don't, has she messed up? Probably, probably today already. I'm not putting her on a pedestal she doesn't belong on. I'm telling you, if you ever want to question why someone's anointing is strong, you better look back at their life and see what they've actually done before you judge it. And if I ever look at her and say, why don't I have her platform? I better look back and say, I've never even blessed the people that have wronged me. Better yet, how she was wronged. So I better never look out and say, I'm better than her. But I need y'all to hear this. You're not Joyce Meyer and neither am I. You're whoever you are and God has uniquely gifted you and called you. And everything in the kingdom of darkness wants to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. Which brings me to the end. This is where it gets good, y'all. Philippians chapter 3. It says, Brothers, join me imitating 
And keep your, or join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many, this is so sad, this part, many people that were walking with the Lord that I've told you about. Now, with tears in my eyes, Paul says as I'm writing this, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. What does walking as the enemy of the cross of Christ look like? I give over to my fleshly desires. That's all he's saying. I say it's too hard. I'm going to end my empty with my own way and not with his way. I can't, I can't fix these problems, so I'm just going to succumb to them. And what we think is that it's a, it's a behavior problem. And what it is is it's a relationship with Christ problem that I don't say, this love relationship that you died for, I'm going to go through some hells. But no weapon formed against me will prosper. It doesn't say it won't be formed. There will be things in my life that I don't get. There will not always be answers that I get. But I'm not going to walk away and walk as an enemy of God by giving over to my flesh and telling the world this is what I believe. And then watch this. I thought this was crazy when I was studying this. Verse 19 says, their end is destruction. Their God is their desires, their belly. Their glory is their shame because they've been deceived. And their mindset is on earthly things. They've made a determination that what's in this world is more important than what's in the kingdom of God. And then watch this. Paul's like, listen, it doesn't have to be this way. Because our citizenship is in, somebody say it. I need somebody to mean it when you say it. Our citizenship is in. In other words, you're here for a short time, but always remember that we're going higher. That my citizenship is not on this planet. That the end is not now. That the end is not getting a number of people in a church. Forget all that. The end is the fact that my citizenship is in heaven in every part of what I do. Not preaching Living my life, doing my thing, going through the life that we have all been called to live. That part is where my citizenship is in heaven, where the world will see what this kingdom is all about, what God has called me to. I will not succumb to my desires. My determination will be with the Lord because I am called by him. No longer will I be, will I be ruined because of my own fleshly desires, because my spirit is alive in Christ. He says, my citizenship is in heaven and from it we await Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who transforms our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. This is the end. Not what you, not what you thought that it was, not your emptiness, what we look inside and we say it must just always be this. I can't forgive them. I can't ever really love them. I'm hearing what you're saying, but I don't like this message because if you knew what you were asking me to do, so I just, I just respond to that feeling because I feel it with this one thought. I just respond with this one thought. Jesus is hanging on the cross. His life is nearly ended. He's gasping for air with all he's worth. He's unrecognizable because he's been beaten so many times. The people closest to him can't even tell that it's him. And right before he says, it is finished, and into your, into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. Right before this, this is what he says. And I need y'all to know that this isn't the type of forgiveness that we give. I forgive him, and then I just keep moving, and then I look down and I hate him. And I don't believe it was passive in nature like I forgive. 
And I need you to know that this is for you, not just the people in front of him. Father, forgive them who have beaten me with a cat of nine tails 39 times, plucked my beard, spit in my face, made me drink that nasty stuff with the sponge, put spikes through my wrists and ankle bones, and were about to, to put a spear in his side that he didn't even really need. They just wanted to, to finish the job. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can I argue with that? Of course they knew what they were doing. They were casting lots. They were making fun. They were ridiculing. That's not what he meant. He meant they didn't have his culture in them and that they desperately needed his culture and the only way they could do it is if he loved his enemies and prayed for those who persecuted him and forgave those that did not deserve forgiveness. And the only way that we bring heaven's culture to earth is if we look at our Savior and say, we'll do it this way. I never deserve forgiveness. I deserve shame and separation because I choose to follow my eyes so many times in my life. And, and when I look back, I say, I should be ashamed of myself. And God says, not shame on you, shame off you. Follow me. He will build this kingdom much faster and much greater than we could ever imagine. It's not on you. The only thing that's on you is what is your relationship like with Jesus and what's trying to keep you from it. In my life, one of my ends of empty is to look back and instead of pushing down the things that I'm hurt for, loving them and praying for them and doing good to them and blessing them. That's what changes everything. I don't know why God told me to change this message except that I believe it's for you. And so this is what I'm going to tell you. Person in here that doesn't know Jesus, this is what I want you to know about him. He died with you in his mind and with your sin on his life, and with your freedom at stake, and he purchased it by his blood. And all he wants for you is to follow him and to have a love relationship that started with his love for you. And then for every person in the room that knows Jesus, the response can't just be, that was awesome. Man, that was a hard message. Man, that was good. The response has to be a bold standing up that God put in you through the person of the Holy Spirit and you saying, I will no longer hate because hate hadn't worked. And generation after generation after generation before us, since the early church, we've watched it go through cycles of redundancy after cycles of redundancy. God is waiting on a group of people that will stand up and say, I will do it your way, Jesus. We've tried it all these other ways. We've tried it through human power. We've tried it through manipulation. We've tried it all these other ways, but we're gonna do it your way. And we're gonna start loving people that don't deserve our love because we got your love and we didn't ever deserve it. I will love those that curse me. I will love those that hate me. I will love those that persecute me. And we will change the world. And I just believe there's some people that need to respond. If you've got no one in your life that that's the case, I want you to stay in your seat. Look, everybody's looking. I'm serious. I want no manipulation. I want real. If no one in your life comes to your mind when you're talking about this, please stay in your seat right now. But if you know that God has told you while I'm preaching that there's someone in your life that you've got to turn it around through the power of the Holy Spirit, you've got to start loving those who hate you and persecute you and start blessing people that you want to curse. If you can identify the people immediately in your mind, I just want you to stand to your feet in front of everybody that's looking. I just want you to be honest and stand to your feet. You stay seated if this isn't you. You stay seated if this isn't you. 
So I'm asking y'all to be honest and look around. Don't judge anybody that's seated because with all my heart, I believe they're telling the truth. And, and ask this question with me because I feel like this is what downloaded in me this week. What would it look like? What would it look like if we really started loving people that didn't deserve our love? What would it really look like? I can tell you what it would look like. It would look like the goal. It would look like a ripple effect. It would look like we don't have enough room in this building because I don't know where we're going to put everybody because people will start going, what's wrong with those people? They're weird. They love me when they should curse me. But the choice is up to you because everything in you is going to battle this and you'll have situations pop up, I promise. Listen from experience. You'll have situations pop up that try to keep you from this immediately. And then we get to decide, am I going to do it his way or am I going to do it my way? Because that's always the choice. It's always the choice. Listen, I believe of you guys that are standing, there's some people that have never made a personal relationship with Jesus official. This is what I want y'all to do. I want y'all to just step out and walk back to the prayer wall. We got this many people up. Just be bold enough to move and say, I'm tired of being empty and I'm ready to have life in Jesus' name. I want hope. I want forgiveness. I want freedom. And I'm just asking y'all to step out. And then for all of you standing, you do what you want to do. But I want y'all to know that this is open for y'all right now. This is open right now. We're about to sing a song that is absolutely incredible called There is a Cloud. And I want this to be your anthem today. The dry season's over. Our emptiness is over. We're making a stand that we're with God on this one. And as for me and my house, and I'm talking about y'all, not just the four people counting me that live in my home. As for me in this house, we're going to serve the Lord and do it his way. We're going to do it his way. We're going to do it his way. We're going to do it his way. So I'm asking y'all to respond how you need to respond. And if that's make an altar right here, if that's make an altar at your chair, people will move for you. But God, we're doing it your way. Jesus, this is hard. This is hard because naturally we don't want to do this. But Lord, we receive your reign. We receive your grace. We receive your mercy and what comes. Lord, you love us so much more than we can comprehend. We're not trying to fix behavior. We're trying to come back to the love relationship we have for you, Lord. We love to quote verses like, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But we have to do it your way for those plans to prosper. We can't just go through the motions of life and pick and choose what we want to follow. And Lord, I don't like this part because I'm so bad at it. But I'm thankful for this part because were it not for loving your enemies, I would not be saved. I would not be your son. I would not have a great inheritance. And my home would be hell. But Lord, my home and the homes and destiny of the people in this room listening to my voice is heaven. And we call kingdom culture down. And we're going to change the world. Lord, if Walt Disney can look over 30,000 acres, then I look over this earth and declare the same thing. Only it's greater than Walt Disney's dream. We will see people from all around the world begin to come to the gospel of Jesus, begin to succumb under the power of the name of Jesus, that they will no longer have depression and past and hurt covering them, but life in Jesus' name will be who they are. God, I declare in your name, in Jesus' name, that all these things are going to come and they're going to take place and, they're, and the old is gone and that the new is come and in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we declare these things. Bring the rain, Lord Jesus. We receive it. We receive it. We receive it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Y'all sing with us.